You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, leaders, and welcome to a brand new week. I have an amazing guest for you today. I know everyone pretty much knows her because she is a mentor to so many of us, so I'm so excited to share our conversation with you. But before I introduce you to none other than Denise Duffield-Thomas, I do want to remind everyone about the Fierce Women Masterclass. If you are new to the Enoughness Revolution, the Fierce Women Masterclass is a co-creation between me and seven other phenomenal coaches to really help you step up into your personal leadership, to create success on your own terms with a sense of ease that feeds your soul because that's what creates sustainability. One of our co-creators, Shirley Joy Weiss, is actually going to be leading everyone through some additional exercises this week in our accompanying Facebook group. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that. To learn more, go to fearsfoundandmasterclass.com. So today I'm speaking to Denise Duffield-Thomas, who I absolutely love. She's a money mindset mentor for the new wave of online female entrepreneurs. Her best-selling books, Lucky Bitch and Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, give a fresh and funny roadmap to create an outrageously successful life and business. Denise helps women release their fear of money, set premium prices for their services, and take back control over their finances. Denise is an award-winning speaker, author, and entrepreneur who helps women transform their economy-class money mindset into a first-class life. You must, must, must connect with her at luckybitch.com. She has a phenomenal blog, tons of free resources. You really do need to check it out. We have an amazing conversation to share with you guys today. We're going to be talking about the time that she met Oprah and all of the things that came up for her as she really embraced that experience for herself. I'm so, so excited. So without further ado, here is Denise. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone and sisters. Wow, I am so excited to have the woman that I'm going to be introducing you to with me today with us, Denise Duffield-Thomas. It is such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is a true pleasure. Now, everyone has already heard about you and your business, but I love to give everyone an opportunity to introduce themselves in their own words to the listeners. Sure. Now, some people might think, you know, what are money blocks? They might not have come across it before. And I just see myself as a mentor for women to change how you think, feel, and interact with your money. And it's really as simple as that. And I do it through books and courses and blog posts and lots of information that I give out. I'm not a financial um, guru, not a financial advisor. I'm not an accountant. I'm just a normal businesswoman who is really passionate about changing this conversation around women and money. Absolutely. And one of the things that I really like about your approach is that money is a relationship. It's something you have a relationship with it. And I really see it as an extension of the relationship that you have with you. So absolutely. And I'm really curious how the enoughness piece ties into all this because 
for all of our listeners, if you have not visited Denise's blog, you must go immediately and check out her post specifically on meeting Oprah because it has a lot of great insights into her own story and why Oprah was such a huge um, person of impact for her and as she is for most of us. But one of the things that really stood out is that you are so enough. And I'm yes. so curious to learn more about your own story and journey getting there. Yeah, well, I think that's the only thing that matters, to be honest. And last year, I went and did a two-day event in London. And one of the events was just a nighttime event, about two hours. And then there was a day event the next day. And I stood up at the evening event and I said, you know, who isn't coming tomorrow and who's feeling, you know, lots of FOMO about it and, and you know, feeling terrible about it. And all these women raised their hand and I was like, okay, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to tell them because this is the, I'm going to tell it to them again and again in different ways. And we're going to pretend it comes from all these different angles, but it really is the one thing I'm going to tell them. And I'm only going to say, you are enough. Mm. That's it. That's my whole message for tonight and all of tomorrow. And, you know, that's all you need to know. And, <laughs> and I tell that message again and again, because I really do believe that that is the only thing that we need to know, because then everything falls into place. Because, you know, you think about business, business, right? And a lot of the time we think we need a different strategy, or maybe my website needs to be a different color. Yes. <laughs> and that's going to make the difference. Or maybe if I buy this course, that will be the difference. And I really think the only thing you need to focus on is that you are enough, mm -hmm. but we don't hear that enough. So we have to, we have to hear it from different ways and different angles. So if you go to my blog and read any of my stuff or do any of my courses, really the only message in any, any of that is you are enough. And I usually start like, and I might do a really specific blog post, like how do you deal with default clients? You know, people who don't pay you. And always, always after the introduction, my first point is always, this is totally normal. This happens to everybody. This is a rite of passage that you have to get through. This doesn't mean that you're not meant to be successful in business because really that core message is, don't worry, girlfriend, you're enough and you can handle this. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So when I went to Oprah, I did the same thing. I was like, Oprah is going to teach me something that I've never heard before. And really, what she said, she goes, the only thing I've ever learned in my life and the only thing I want to teach you is that you are enough. And it's making me tear up thinking about it because I was like, but no, surely she knows something more than that. Surely she has a greater wisdom than that. And it's not because it's so simple. So that's my personal relationship with it. It's making me cry. Pregnancy hormones. We can just cry throughout this whole interview, both of us. Um, I know. But, you know, that's why I think that, that the work that you do is so important. This podcast is so important because we, you can't hear it enough, basically. Exactly. And I think especially as women, we actually hear the opposite. Um, we hear how not enough we are. And that's yes. portrayed in, you know, our, our beauty ads and, and commercials. It's told to us, like, by our, our pay, by our income that we're bringing in. Um, you know, even if you're not in business, if you're a woman who's at a just normal job, um, we're told how not enough we are in our relationships if we're not in a healthy one. There's so many messages that come to us that make us question our deep worthiness. And the thing is, is that I think so many of us, we're seeking for this truth. We're seeking for this magic potion of like, what's the secret? What's the secret to our power? What's the secret to our confidence? And it all starts with enoughness. If you can just get that little grain, 
it gives the platform for everything else to come in. It does. And I say this to people all the time. Success in business is just writing a to-do list and ticking it off. It's really that simple. Anyone who's had a job, who's run a project plan before can be successful in business and in life. But that's the missing piece. And you, mm-hmm. you, put, you do that. You feel that well inside yourself that says, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not smart enough to do this. I'm not um, whatever it is. We've all got them. Um, you fill up that, then everything else, it is just a to-do list. Yeah. Anything you want to manifest in your life, you just make a list and check it off. But it's that thing that stops us is that I, I secretly think maybe I'm, I'm not good enough for this or mm-hmm. I secretly think there's something wrong with me, which is the exact same thing. Exactly. So I'm curious in your own personal story, I know that we all have these stories of not enough that we have to work through. So I'm curious what some of the stories were that you had to push through to really claim your enoughness for yourself. Yeah, well, I, um, my mom was really young when she had me. She was 18 and, you know, she didn't really have a life together much at all. And so I think throughout those early years, not having a dad was a big thing for me. And mm-hmm. I remember being at school and um, the kid was saying, well, why don't you have a dad? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. And so that, that really stuck with me. And then um, what happened was we moved to a different town and we moved to a town that was, had a lot of people in, in our situation because we moved into uh, a council estate and everyone had the same house. Half my friends didn't have dads and it was a totally normal thing. It was really, so for a couple of years I was like, we weren't rich, but I was like, everyone's the same. This is really cool. And then um, my mum married a wealthy guy. We moved to a massive big mansion and I had a pony and all this kind of cool stuff happened. But over the next couple of years, they would, um, they would break up and my mum would go, great, we're moving out. And we would move back to a tiny, teeny, tiny house with no money and a really crappy car. And so I, I made up a story that men have all the power around money. Men can change your circumstances at their whim whenever they want to. Mm. And I think that was such a, um, that was such a key part of my early story because that continued on into the world of work. I was very intimidated by men. I um, didn't think I had any power to earn money myself. And, you know, it, it really felt like a really unfair kind of thing, this world of money and work and, um, and I think that was a huge thing for me. I just, I thought, God, it was just nothing that I do is going to make a difference because men can take it away from you at any point. Mm. And that was a real feeling of like not enoughness from a gender point of view as well. Yeah. And I remember, um, my twenties thinking, God, I hope I come back as a man next time because being a woman fucking sucks mm-hmm. and it's so unfair and it's so, you know, I just, that feeling of injustice and um, when I was pregnant with my first baby, I remember thinking, God, I hope I have a boy because I don't want to deal with all this girl crap that comes, right? And of course <laughs> I had a girl. <laughs> and it really, it changed my viewpoint on entrepreneurship and money even more. I was already doing the money work with clients. And then I just thought, oh my God, this learning about money, making friends with money, healing our wounds, realizing yes. that we're enough. That is such a huge opportunity for women 
to um, be empowered in their own lives and not just be rich because, you know, I talk about get rich, lucky bitch, and it's very much tongue in cheek because rich means different things to different people. Sure. But it's more about being empowered and being free of that. And it's so cool now having a, a daughter who can see me be so empowered around money. And, um, you know, so I, I've definitely experience that whole not enoughness a lot of times and I still do I, I do whenever I think oh I want to achieve another goal I just think well that's for someone else that's not for me but I think the difference is now I have enough um, of a skill set to um, check myself before I wreck myself basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that and I love that you bring that up because you know I'm so clear with my clients and with all of the, my listeners in fact that we don't do the enoughness work to get rid of the not enough uh, because it will come back anytime we're trying to up level or push to that new dream or that new vision. We do the work so we know how to deal with it when it does come back up and it doesn't stop us in our tracks. It doesn't stop us from reaching our goals and really expanding into our potential. So I, I thank you for really highlighting that part of your story. Well, that's really profound because the thing that I always tell people too is money doesn't cure money blocks. Oh. It doesn't. You think, oh, God, I've got all this stuff with money. I need more money to fix it. And it doesn't fix it. You know, it's just the same. You're just putting money on your same old problems. What does fix money problems is the awareness that you're always going to have them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can always deal with them. It's totally normal and you're totally enough. And that's okay. And what really helps with anything, and honestly, I could teach anything with the exact same techniques, and you probably feel the same as well. And I always say to people, if you want to um, manifest a different goal, go through my money boot camp, but pretend I'm talking about weight or manifesting your soulmate because it's the exact same stuff. Yeah. What helps you solve any problem in life is filling up that space inside you that says, I'm not good enough. Mm. And a life-changing thing for me was doing EFT. I know I don't even think it's about the tapping. I think it's about the mantra. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And for me, that filled up those spaces that I thought that money was supposed to fill or love or stuff. It didn't. What fills up those holes is the deeply and completely loving and accepting yourself part. I love that so much because I feel yeah. that, um, I mean, in my own journey, especially, wow, I tried to fill that piece of myself with so many other things. And I thought that if I could become successful enough, it would fill it. If I could make enough money, uh, it would fill it. If I could have a relationship, it would fill it. If I could have this dream life, it would fill it. But I started to realize that that's not how it works and that enoughness yeah. comes from a very different place, the more of a spiritual place of becoming whole, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's where the inner work comes. Absolutely. And it never stops exactly nah. like you said. And I am friends with very successful women now and they still work on their stuff every single day. The difference is that they don't let it derail them for very long, that they know how to deal with it, that they um, forgive themselves enough to let themselves be vulnerable and work on it. But it's, you know, I work on my money blocks all the time and it is an ongoing journey. So don't, no one beat yourself up over it if you're still working on it because there's no destination yes. to that. There's no ending. The work is never done, girl. <laughs> no. And I remember in my first year of business, my husband's like, 
you're doing another course? Like, aren't you fixed now? Or like, don't you know everything now? And it's like, dude, that's not the point. Like, this is just lifelong work. And this is part of, this is part of life. Yes, absolutely. So being that you are, you come from a place of working through money blocks with women, I'd love to highlight a couple of like maybe red flags that women are experiencing money blocks, but they might not know it. Yes, absolutely. So one of the most common blocks that I see in women is this really strongly held belief that you have to work hard to make money. Yes. And there are some very specific tells for this. Mm. So let's talk about some of them. Um, Let's talk about some of the sabotages that really underpin this belief. One is a belief that you have to do everything yourself or it doesn't count. So you Mm. refuse to delegate you refuse to get help, you reinvent the wheel frequently, Um, you sabotage yourself to the point where you have to burn out all the time. So maybe you procrastinate and then you have to pull all-nighters, you leave things to the last minute, so you have to work in stress and with adrenaline because you believe that's the only way to do it. Um, You feel incredibly guilty if you do have some success because you feel like you know, it's too easy. Mm. Um, something that came up today, someone said, oh, I'm not counting, I'm not tracking the income I receive from my rental properties um, because I have to pay it straight on the mortgage. And I was like, hang on, that's, that's income. That's real income. Why is that? And she said, well, it's too easy. Like I don't have to do anything for it anymore. You know, they just pay me every week. And, and it was like, wow, that, that still underpins that belief. If, um, if someone receives something like an inheritance or a gift from a family or something that's given them a leg up in life, that underpins that feeling of, well, it doesn't count because I didn't work and sweat for this. Mm. Um, I see this a lot too with women who change business directions every month before they can get any traction in any one of them because it's like, say, for example, you stayed up all night and you did your sales page for your first program. And then here's what I see next time they launch it, rather than actually even launching it again, they try something else. And it's like, why don't you just relaunch that program you've already done? And they can't articulate it, but it's kind of a sense of, well, the sales page is already done. The materials are already done. What would I do to earn this money? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, I wouldn't earn that if I just, you know, did that. Um, Another thing for women who create like a passive income product, like a book, for example, every time someone purchases it, they feel guilty because they've already written the book they didn't earn it the second and third and fourth and the 100th time that someone um someone did it so you can see how those patterns really sabotage the success of a business yeah you know um same in the corporate world if someone um and this is what women do all the time they feel like they don't deserve pay increases or raises because they might think well what have i done to deserve that i really have to you know earn that Yes. Or it doesn't, it doesn't count. So that's probably the most common one that I see um, in women. And that it's, they're very specific tells. So whenever you, you spy yourself, um, you catch yourself sabotaging your business in that way or sabotaging your life, really look at that. What is, who told you that it has to be really hard to make money? Where did that belief come from? Yes, I'm so glad that you pulled that out. You know, one of the things I talk about um, in my model are some of the five patterns that I see that really prevent us from being enough. And one of them is having to prove ourselves, like proving that we deserve something or proving that we belong or proving that we deserve this, this experience or these results or this money. 
And anytime we have to prove ourselves, it sends like this subtle message that we're not okay just as we are. (laughs) So it takes us out of our enoughness. So I'm really glad that you bring that up. So I'd love to hear more about when you were with Oprah (laughs) and you had this whole experience and you're like, she must know something more about being enough. (laughs) Can't be all that. Was there ever a moment where you like, it just, it just hit you in a different way that that was all you really needed to know? You know what? The whole experience of meeting Oprah was extremely profound for me. And there were so many lessons beyond what she said on the evening. So the first thing happened was when the tickets came out and um, I missed out on the VIP meet and greet tickets because I was prepared to buy them and they sold out very, very quickly. And I just went, okay, fair enough. I'll just buy, you know, a normal ticket. And it was still a really expensive ticket, but it didn't include any of the meet and greet or photo or anything like that. And then a couple of months later, they released more of them. And I was actually on a family holiday and I was at, in the back of the seven seater car, like with you know kids and my, <laughs> my brother and sister-in-law and my mom and all these people. And I had 1% battery and I was just, so, you know, fingers trembling trying to buy this ticket before it sold out again. And it was, um, it was two and a half thousand dollars, you know, and mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, you know, am I really going to spend this? Am I going to tell people that I'm spending this money? And, um, and then the, the doubt and the not enoughness started to kick in straight after I bought that ticket because I had a spare ticket suddenly. Right. And I was thinking, how can I maximize this experience? You know, should I sell it to one of my clients and put together a coaching package? You know, maybe we could have a VIP day beforehand and then we have dinner, then we go to Oprah together and then maybe we have breakfast the next day. And I was trying to make it about somebody else. And I was trying to see how I could maximize this investment for myself. Um, well, no, not even for myself, not for my own benefit, but for my business or for my marketing or something. And I was just so um, stumped on this for, for months thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to maximize this experience? And then, and I had a lot of people who I knew who were going like, let's meet up for coffee. Let's meet up for this before Oprah. And finally I just went, you know what? It's going to be enough for me just to go myself. Mm. And it's totally okay for me just to go by myself. I don't have to maximize this experience for anybody else. This is, this is for me. And I felt very calm about it. So I donated the ticket to a friend who um, starting a charity she did a silent auction for it. And so she, you know, she raised money for a charity. And as soon as I did that, I just felt so much peace. I thought, oh, that's what it was meant to go for. It wasn't meant for me to make this a good experience for anyone else. And then when I was there, I had so many friends texting me, you know, going, tell us everything, what's going on. And I think I would have been tempted to really record the experience for other people you know, and thinking, how am I going to write about this on my blog? And maybe I should periscope before and after. Maybe I should sneak away and periscope in the toilet so everyone can benefit from this experience. Because, you know, that's how entrepreneurs think, right? Yes. <laughs> We're like, how can we maximize this for maximum marketing benefit? And again, I had to just keep on coming back to that message to myself. This is enough just for you. Yeah. It's okay that it's just for you. It's okay. and. And I was so unattached and I sat there and I listened to her speak. We had about, um, I think it was about an hour or so Q&A with, um, with the VIP people. And it was about maybe 50, 60 people. 
And she was so chilled. You know, she came out to no fanfare at all. It was just like, hey, guys, here's Oprah's coming out now. And she just walked out and was like, hey, guys. And I was just like, wow, she's, she's just here and she's just so normal. And she was answering questions in a very practical, down-to-earth, really lovely way. And um, I really wanted to ask her a question, you know, and I was thinking, I have to ask her a question. I have to ask her a question. And um, she stood there and she just, she just pointed to me and she goes, why are you here? <laughs> and, um, and then she said, oh, are you wearing a Camilla? And um, Camilla, Camilla oh, is yes. this Australian designer oh that gosh, she loves. Oh, my she's so fabulous. Yes. And so Oprah said, are you wearing a Camilla? And I said, yes, I brought it especially for today because I wasn't going to wear Target to go see Oprah. <laughs> and she said, she said, excuse me, Target. I wear Target all the time. And I thought, of course you do because you are enough. You don't, you don't care if it's Armani or Target. You're good, right? And, um, and so I had that really nice moment of just being able to chat to her. And she said, why are you here? And I said, because I've been watching you my whole life. And I, I just wanted to come and see you. Like it was no other reason than that. And I didn't feel like I had to say, oh, I'm Denise from luckybitch.com. And I didn't, I felt like it was just enough, you know? And then even afterwards, when I wrote that blog post, I wrote it, but I still kept some things to myself because I just thought, I don't have to make this okay for anyone else except for me. This is okay that this experience was for me and for me alone if I choose to. Um, so that's what I got out of it. And then the fact that she was great and that she said you were enough on stage, that was for me, that was just icing on the cake. You know, <laughs> like oh I got my, my money's worth before I even stepped into that room. <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there's a couple of things I want to pull out in here because I think they're really important. Um, there's a, there was a huge moment for you that you gave yourself permission to really gift this to yourself. And not yes. just the financial gift, but the emotional gift, the gift of time, the gift of experience, the gift of just being instead of it have to be about doing. And I yes. think that, that is so incredibly powerful. Yes, to the point that I didn't take any notes mm. and I didn't take any video footage during the event. I didn't take, I don't think I even took any pictures of her on stage because I just sat there and I just and that's really unusual for me, right? I'm like such a note taker and I put it all down on the ground and I just sat there and I just thought it's going to be okay. like, I don't have to remember every part of this. It's okay. <laughs> I'll get what I get out of it. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's trusting the process, right? Yep. And I think that there's something, I mean, especially for women in business, I can relate to this so much of, you know, I think it's really easy for us to, to make investments for our business, for an ROI. We're always thinking yep. like, okay, how is this going to benefit the business? How is this going to benefit the business? which is kind of how is this going to benefit my clients? How are these going to benefit, you know, what am I creating here? But when we make an invest investment just for us, like just for our soul, it has such a different quality to it that yeah. it's hard to put into words because I made a really big investment in, in myself this past year and joined a really high-end level mastermind. But I didn't do it for my business. I did it because I wanted to believe in myself and to, to expand in this, in my own truth and in my own way of just exploring my own gifts and talents and knowing that the women I was joining would really help me to do that, regardless of what the ROI was going to be. Yes. And I had a, such a different like soul level quality to it to make that happen for myself. And it was such that underlying message of you just, you're worth this. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I see that so, so parallel in you gifting yourself this experience with Oprah, like someone that you admire so much and not even feeling the pressure to make it anything for anybody else. It's just for no. you. And um, I don't know if you saw this in my newsletter, but when I got the photo, it was like four days later and I got the photo and I was like, oh my God, you can see my nipples. Like <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> crazy amounts and I just nipples yes and it was so funny because you know I was so excited to show my husband because when I got home he's like tell me everything and I just went no I'm good like I don't feel like I need to tell you like it was good he was like wasn't it the best day of your life and I was like yeah it was great I'm really glad I went and I think some people were a bit underwhelmed by my um like almost seemingly unenthusiastic unenthusiastic kind of um, reaction to it but I was just like it was it was great you know, but then I got the photo and hubby was so excited to see it. He was just like, wow, show me, show me, show me. It's finally here. And then he goes, you can't put that on social media. <laughs> and so I had to find a Photoshopper and I was just like, okay, guys, I was on a business room. I was like, okay, I need a Photoshopper like right now, someone who's available right now because this has to go into my newsletter in just a couple of hours. I needed a Photoshop out in a pool. <laughs> And that was just funny, you know, it was just that whole experience. I just thought, wow, that's even more of a sign. It's just like, oh, just enjoy it, you know. This is this is for you. You don't have to share this with everybody. But it was um yeah, it was a great experience. But I think it was weird, you know, so many of my friends and family wanted to experience it through me and I was like, No, you're not gonna (laughs) I think that that's there's so many things that go into that though. Like one, just having boundaries around it. But two, I think, you know, a big part of the enoughness that I teach my clients is learning how to do things for yourself simply because you want to and because you, you want to give this experience to yourself. You want to treat yourself and honor yourself in this way for no other reason just because it feels good. Yes, <laughs> And exactly. it's okay to do that. And the more that we do that, the more we, we stand in our own enoughness of just how worthy we are of being treated like that priestess or that goddess or know whatever term really resonates with you and then to protect it and say it's it's just for me it was a wonderful experience but it was it was my own and I think that's yes. so amazing and it was that was a new experience for me doing that I've never done that before um and you know and and also being pregnant too I think I there's so many areas in my life where I still have so much work to do around that area and my husband's been nagging me like, okay, book in for a pregnancy Pilates. You know, you did it so many times in your last pregnancy. You haven't done it this time. Book in for massage. And a friend of mine yesterday, she goes, you know, there's a mobile massage lady who can come to you, you know, if you're too busy. And it just, you know, those things remind me how much I've still got to go in that area of doing things, doing things for me. And it's, yeah. I think that will be ongoing for my whole life. I have to continually remind myself that it's okay to do that. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, motherhood is going to be a totally new (laughs) journey for me when it comes to enoughness. And just because there's so much, so many other pressures that we open ourselves to when we step onto that journey and just making sure we're balancing and, and knowing that we're doing a good enough job and that we're a good enough mom and all of these things compared to all of these messages we're getting. So that is going to be a whole nother level of enoughness work for sure 
It absolutely will be. And I think the only thing that's really helped for me is that I've decided to opt out, literally unsubscribe mentally, emotionally, literally in some cases, um, as in not reading things, out of that message that women should be busy, should be guilty. Um, I did a Google search just for my own entertainment of busy mom versus busy dad. And there was something like, I don't know, 13,000 hits for busy dad and about half a million hits or more for busy mom just in yeah. recent news stories. And I think things like that just perpetuate that, um, that guilty feeling that we should be busy all the time. And, um, and I just, I just really decided to opt out of that. And I met someone the other day in a coffee shop who reads my blog and she goes, Oh, you must be so busy. And I just said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not busy. Yeah. I have a child, but I just don't try not to put things in my life that are busy and stress making and things like that. And that has just come from a really conscious effort to opt out and unsubscribe from the um, expectations that people put on mothers and, you know, and women who decide not to have kids for sure. But, you know, it really gets amplified when you have a kid. And the thing that I always try and say as well, and this is not my bar for parenting, by the way, I want to say this before I say <laughs> it, but I think let's have some perspective in the world. There are people who neglect their kids. There are people who put cigarettes out on their kids. There are people who don't feed their children. And then, of course, there are millions of kids around the world who are literally starving, no matter what their parents are trying to do for them. And when you put that into perspective, like some of the petty things that people try and put on moms of like, you know, are you making your lunchboxes fun? You just go, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to unsubscribe. Like if that makes you happy, go for it. But, you know, let's have some perspective here. <laughs> Um, yeah, so no, you'll be fine. You'll I be love great. That. I love that. And I would love to know, cause I know you're really big into mantras. Yeah, I so am. Yeah. What are some of the mantras that really guide that process of unsubscribing one? Cause I think women totally need to hear that. And then also the money's or mantras or money mantras that really guide your enoughness too. Yeah. There are three that I use a lot. Um, one is the EFT mantra that I say probably more often than I actually physically tap. And that is just that I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And I've taught that to Willow, who is almost two. And um, she sometimes she just completely ignores me. And sometimes she sits and she nods very seriously. Um, and she does tapping on her face too, which is Aww. very cute. Um, but she, I just want to embed that into her consciousness, into her cells. And I can see her just nod. And sometimes we, you know, we do it in the mirror and kiss the mirror. So that for me is life changing for me. Um, another one is I serve, I deserve. Mm. And that was life changing for me um, probably a couple of years ago when I was just trying to constantly over deliver to my clients and I never felt enough and I never felt like what I was giving them was enough. When I created my programs, I never felt like there was enough bonuses or enough information yeah. <laughs> or mm -hmm. enough answers and, um, and sometimes too, when I used to get, e I don't, I don't read my emails anymore as part of my self care. My <laughs> assistant does all of that. But back when I did check my emails and you get people who, you know, like, well, I can't afford your thing. So help me out another way. Or, you know, you guys made this mistake. So give me personal time with Denise. And I used to feel incredibly guilty about that and think, Oh God, I have to make everything right for everybody. Or I have to serve everybody. I have to fix everybody. And then I just went, you know what, this I serve, I deserve thing means it's enough. Yeah. You know, it's okay that I put out blogs every week. So if somebody needs help, they can go to my blog. If someone can't afford my boot camp, they can buy my book. 
Um, if someone doesn't like my boot camp, they can get a refund. Absolutely no attachment to any of that. So I serve, I deserve has completed the circle for me of it's okay for me to put things out and help people. And it's totally okay for me to receive in return, whether that's money or praise or success in business. It's a complete circle. There's nothing broken in that where one is one is more beholden to the other. Yeah. Um, so that's changed my life. And then I think um, the third one and anyone who um, is on my Instagram or Facebook page, you'll see that I put out these little mantras and it always starts with, it's safe for me to yes. blah, blah, blah. And that is all about enoughness as well, right? It's like, it's safe for me to say no. It's safe for me to, um, we've just had these redesigned as well. It's safe for me to have rich friends. It's mm. safe for me to talk about my financial successes. And so that it's safe for me. I think that came out of reading Louise Hay's work. Yeah. Because I never felt safe as a kid. I never felt safe in my 20s. I always felt unsettled I always felt um you know inferior not enough all this kind of stuff and I think it was just reading some of her mantras and reading some of her self-love work that that made me realize the only thing I had to do for myself was just to reassure myself constantly I'm safe it's okay yeah you know and I recommend people when they read those out and actually if you go to luckybitch.com slash card um or cards, I have to double check on that, sorry, it's one or the other, <laughs> baby brain, um, you can pick a card at random, it's totally free, it's like an oracle card thing, and you can, one will pop up, and I always recommend people read it to yourself, and see what's not in alignment with that, Yeah. so if it's safe, for example, it's safe for me to have rich friends, and I say to people, read it and see what comes up, and so, and the great thing about the Lucky Bee community, and this is what I really try and encourage people to do, is awareness is so powerful, and yes. awareness is way more important than positivity. Yes. <laughs> so you can go, it's safe me to have trends. It's safe me to have trends. But if there's a part of you that goes, actually, it's not because they're all going to abandon you. Yeah. That's great. That's really good information. You can do something about that. You can, you can help yourself feel okay about being rich. You can reassure yourself that some, you know, if some people don't like you because you're rich, that's going to be okay because you will like yourself totally enough. Yeah. So, you know, any, for any of those that come up, it's just great information to clear. It's valuable information yes. to release. Um, I totally agree. And I love that you come at it from a place of safety because a lot of times when I'm working through stories with my clients, which is basically all the enoughness work is, and especially when you get to the money stories, the fear that comes up of like, well, it's not, it's not okay for me to do that. It's not okay for me to make all of this money. Well, why not? Because so-and-so isn't going to love me anymore. And it creates this real big, I mean, real, very real fear in them that it's not safe for them to be successful or have all of the things that they desire. And so all of it's about creating this belief that it is safe and everything's going to be okay. Your relationships will all work out. There will be some transition. For sure. <laughs> but that's just part of the work. As we evolve, other people evolve, you know, around us and with us and things just change and shift. And you can see just from hearing that example as well, how much more valuable that is than finding a new business strategy. Because yes. that's, that's the real work, right? Because if it was, if it did feel totally safe for you, you'd be able to do a launch, you'd be able to write a book, you'd be able to do those things pretty easily you know like with yes. not much resistance and procrastination the reason why you're resistant and the reason why you're procrastinating 
is because of all this unacknowledged stuff that is not safe for you. That is, you know, and on some level threatening your very existence. So there's a lot at stake. It's not just writing a book. It's not just writing a to-do list and launching a product. It's like threatening your very safety as a human being. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have to deal with that. And then, and then you find a good business strategy. You know? yes. like, oh, cool. I can do that. It doesn't mean you're never going to have a resistance and procrastination ever again. God, if you knew the secret of that, let me know. <laughs> let me in on that secret too. <laughs> yes, but that's the real work. That, and it's yeah. the, I think it's the only work. I really do. Because then everything else falls into place. We're smart. Like, we're smart women. We can do. We know how to do stuff. God, we of course we do. We're competent people. Um, so the real work is the is the yucky stuff sometimes, and that's the yeah. stuff that people I think isn't the real work, or they're they're afraid to do it. And honestly, yeah. the best thing, the best stuff is on the other side of that. It's the messy middle, right? Which Brene Brown talks about. But that's where all of the best transformation happens. So like when my clients are like well, I've been, I've been working with these mantras and nothing is manifesting in my life. Like, why isn't this working? I always say, well, what's the story? What's the story underneath? Because you can repeat a mantra all you want. <laughs> but if you have a story that is blocking it from being true, from you really accepting it as a, your truth and a possibility, and even as a safety component for you, it's like the, you haven't released the block yet. <laughs> so you can't step into this new mantra, this new belief system. You can't embody it until the story's been cleared, right? 100% and that's exactly what we do on the money bootcamp it's always the same it's like where does this come from yeah. because until you uh, until you release it and I almost said fix but that is totally the wrong way because it's never fixed but until you acknowledge it release it forgive it whatever you need mm. to do with it it'll come up again and again and again and again and it's like well how long do you want to keep on digging and I remember saying to one of my very early clients I was like it's time to throw away the shovel Mm. you know it's time to stop struggling with that because it's going to come up again and again unless you really deal with it and then it becomes part of your foundation and then it becomes something you can build on rather than something that is a never-ending you know pit Mm. that's so powerful I love I just I love the work that you do I think that I mean we're so very aligned by doing the story work because that's where all the magic unfolds it doesn't matter what you want. If it's like better relationships and more successful business, more income, charging more, whatever, having dream clients, whatever it is that you want, working in an easier way, like it doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> whatever you want to manifest in your life, it's all possible, but it all starts with the story, right? Yep, it does. And it's never as scary as you think it's going to be. Mm. Um, sometimes when people do the forgiveness work in the boot camp, you know, they they come in and post in the group and say, guys, I feel sick. You know, like I'm, I've got a hangover. I'm tired. I'm headachy. And I was like, yeah, and that's going to pass. You know, it totally will. It will totally pass. And that's the worst of it. But you don't have to keep on reliving it on a daily basis. You don't have to keep on living as if that's true anymore. The freedom on the other side of it is, is amazing. It's priceless. And I'll tell you a secret too. Early on in my career, I started, um, you know, I was kind of looking at things from a manifesting point of view as the umbrella rather than money as the umbrella. And so I did a soulmate course um, and it was only available for about a year. And I actually wrote a book as well called Get Hitched, Lucky Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I I know, it's crazy. And you know what? The lessons were exactly the same as my money. (laughs) Every lesson was exactly the same. Let's look at your past. Let's look at your stories. 
um, let's put people on your forgiveness list. Let's, you know, tap on that. And, um, and I discontinued it because I, I just thought it's not, it's not the angle that I want to do this work. I'm happy to do it from an angle of, of money, even though it's the same, <laughs> it's the yeah. same work. Um, but you know, I felt like money was more my calling than soulmate stuff, but it was funny that it was the exact, it was the exact same course. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the basic component, though, of finding your enoughness and your stories and everything just kind of expands from there. Yeah. So if you had some advice for women who have some money blocks, who are struggling stepping into their enoughness, I mean, are there any, is there any other suggestions or tips that you would offer before we wrap up today? Yeah, and it's a very practical one. And I do recommend that people track their money. In, um, and I do it in a very lucky bitch kind of way. And if you can post to the um, article that I did on this, because it does explain a little bit about it. Um, because the thing is, it's a very enlightening exercise when you start to see how you compartmentalize, as my um, mentor, Kendall Summerhawk, calls it, where you say this money's real and this money isn't. And it's mm-hmm. almost like you're saying to money as well, you are not enough if you come from this source. Yeah. You know, it's it's enough if it's my husband's income, but it's not enough if it's PayPal income because mm-hmm. that doesn't count. So I think it's a very enlightening exercise to see how you treat money as not enough, how you treat some of your income sources as not enough, how you, um, you know, just tell yourself stories about your money. And it's such a simple exercise. And often the awareness of tracking your incoming money, like every penny that comes into your life sets, first of all, a lot of women realize that they're making more than they thought, Yeah. but they're almost like dampening down their success. And then that opens up a whole can of worms. Why are you doing that? Like what's symbolic about that income that you don't want to (laughs) see? It's just such an enlightening, simple exercise. And in that um, article that if you're, um, if you link to, I give a couple of, um, resources. So I use a spreadsheet to track my money every day. Oops, just lost one of my things. Um, and I also have a money tracking app as well. That's free on the, um, on the iPhone store. Sorry, Androiders, you were totally enough, but (laughs) I'm not, not creating one for Android and, um, and a paper tracker as well. And it's such a simple, but very enlightening exercise. And I think if that's all you do, um, in the short term to improve your relationship with money, it will be a good one. It's a really great one. It's enough to yeah. start with. <laughs> well, it's kind of tying in the whole concept of gratitude. Like we have to be grateful for the things that are coming in. <laughs> Definitely. And I think the last thing I want to say, you know, a lot of people um, really wonder about why I called my company Lucky Bitch. And there are a couple of reasons. One is when I was a kid, I was very... Um, not bossy, but I was very inquisitive and I was always questioning things about our um, family situation all the time. Like, mom, why are you doing that? And why are you sabotaging yourself? (laughs) And my family would often call me a bitch. You know, they would say, oh, you're being such a bitch. And I just, that was a real trigger word for me for a long time. So Mm. I wanted to um, embrace that. The second reason was when I started learning about manifesting and when I started learning that I was enough, amazing things started happening in my life and that triggered a lot of my friends who were you know kind of in the same stuck place that I was and they wouldn't see all the work that I was doing behind the scenes of course I would say read Louise Hay's book this is life-changing and try this <laughs> yeah. mantra um but they would just say oh you're such a lucky bitch I can't believe all these things all these things are happening to you and so I just went you know what I'm just going to claim that as well and I'm going to show other people how to do it mm. and trust me people will call you a lucky bitch as well and then the third reason 
again, sometimes it can come across a little bit braggy, the whole lucky bitch thing like, oh, I'm the lucky bitch. To be honest, for me, it is a place of gratitude. You know, like I often say to my hubby, you know, rather than, um, oops, did you lose me? Um, rather than say, like, I'm so grateful, I find myself now saying, we're so lucky that we've got this, you know, and we're so lucky we live in this country and we're so lucky that we can go to the beach. So for me, it is a, it really does come from a place of gratitude and love. And, um, you know, it's not about being a bitch, obviously. And luck has very little to do with it. So, <laughs> so I wanted to just share those things with people to give a little bit of insight of why my company is called, um, called Lucky Bitch. And just to say, I think my final message, um, sometimes I leave these podcasts with just saying, like, why not you? Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing as you are enough. Mm-hmm. Why not you? Because you are enough. And that's okay. That's all you need to be is to be enough. And that is enough. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely think that that's such a great question to come back to when we're in our doubt of why not me? Why not why me? Why not? Why not you? Why not now? Why not? Just, you know, just do it because nothing is really going to hold you back except for you. So Mm. if you embrace that and the world is embracing that now, the world is having these conversations around difference and diversity because more and more people are staying up and saying, Hey, why not me? Like that's (laughs) it. It just, it takes us to be a little bit of a role model, a little bit of courage to stand up because when you do it, Oh my God, other people are going to notice and it's going to inspire so many people to say that same thing to themselves and that's what changes the planet. That's what changes mm. it. It's not from doing stuff outside of us. It's doing stuff inside of us and inspiring other people to do that as well. Oh, okay. We have to end there because that was too perfect. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank um, you so much for having me. I love this work that you're doing. It's, it, is, it is everything. It's- thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for give, giving such a beautiful story to this work in your own way and how it shows up in your, in your work that you're doing in the world. I think you're fabulous as well. So thank you for being a phenomenal guest. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time, everyone. Until then, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.